0: Welcome everybody back to another episode of Laugh Mendenita Podcast. Thank you so much for your continued support and also to our sponsors, One Good One, and for the second year in a row, Atlanta's best of the best, first option mortgage. Today, Josh Friend, CEO of Encelerate, stopped by to do a deep dive into the ever-evolving world of FinTech. Sit back guys, this is going to be a great episode. Right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of Laugh, London, Eat the podcast, and we are joining Josh Friend, the CEO of Incillorate, all the way from California. How you doing, Josh?
1: Great. Uh, thanks for having me on this morning.
0: Oh, is it morning? Yeah. So I always, I always tell people whenever I'm talking to them on the west coast, I feel like I'm in the future. I mean, like three hours ahead. You are. <laughs> so it's kind of like a, a call for the future. So, Josh, thank you so much for taking the time and joining us this morning. Um, I know you're busy uh, running the Incillorate uh, company and. Uh, we're going to get into that. But um, I wanted to kind of start off real quick. I, I know that you posted something yesterday on LinkedIn, I've been following you for the last week, you know, what I mean, so we've got this interview going on. And it was really moving for me. Uh, it was about uh, the Haitian uh, 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 child on the street. Uh, and the fact that you guys were, were, were doing something in Haiti with one of your uh, teammates, could you kind of because it was really I mean, you know, I saw the picture, it was this little uh, Haitian kid with a when you incinerate church or some kind yep. of windbreaker on, yep. uh, and it was just like, so go ahead and t- t- take over that. Yeah, I
1: mean, I, I guess to um, to just to start, uh, us as a company, um, you know, we've always been very uh, uh charitable minded. Just you know, myself, um, my uh, brother is the COO, uh, he's once a missionary and, and has done a lot of charitable work, he used to work for Feed in America. So that kind of the charity mind thought of, you know, kind of given to the greater good is something that we you know, um, uh, have within our DNA. My sister runs a full-time charity nonprofit as well. So um, that, you know, it's definitely something that's kind of in our DNA, but for the uh, Haiti uh, Taylor has been with us for years and um, <clears throat> she's been going to Haiti off and on ever since the, you know, the, I guess a, like a, what was it? 2015 was that when the big hurricanes hit yeah. mm-hmm. around them. So uh, she'd come and say, Hey, Josh, I need like clothes. Can I just take a bunch of shirts and stuff? And take, I'm like, yeah. She's like, Do you want to donate? You know, I don't forget how many it was, but a lot of you do.
0: Yeah. Take them.
1: Take whatever else you need. You know, Taylor, go. You know, go go out and do that. And that's what she did. And um, she sent me that picture the other day, and I was like, that oh, was you know, it it's it was neat to see that we could have an impact somewhere else, yeah. right? And just kind of you know, it, it's important for us to see that.
0: You know, and and it kind of goes to the point of that how often that we take things for granted living in America. You know what I mean? And, and, we have so many different, you know, so many things given to us and, and it's not, it's not that easy or hard to feel entitled <laughs> to yeah. the life that we have. And then when you see a picture like this on LinkedIn do, during our professional days, it just makes you stop and, and get, you know, for me, I I live by gratitude. And I was yeah. really grateful at that moment for the life I've been given. So thank you for yeah. sharing that yesterday.
1: Yeah, I know it, it, it allows the uh the thoughts of, wow, I don't, I wish I had a new car kind of puts it in perspective if you see if you look at a kid who's you know has one shirt like Absolutely. it really it really lets you know we we're very rich in america
0: although i was jealous he was wearing a. I got the picture up now on my screen it got the purple hat and i was like man i want that purple <laughs> hat i'll give him a shirt for a purple hat that he's wearing you know um now when you started an in indie mac in 1999 yeah as a cost, which is by the way a side note one of my favorite companies that i used to sell loans to linda bauer i don't know if you know or not was it's still a good friend of mine uh, and uh, I, remember. I, I love, I love, love, love Indie Max. when I found out you were actually at Indie Mac, it was like, okay, cool. You know what I mean? Did you ever think like you'd be like this global where you're able to donate to Haiti? And I mean, obviously, you know, 99 to now is a lifetime <laughs> away, right?
1: Yeah, I, it, 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 it's very interesting. I mean, you, what you just said, no, I don't. I was 22 years old. I was 22 years old. Um, I found out I was going to be a dad. So I'm like, I got to make a living. I got to work. Um, so my first thought was, Hey, how do I earn enough money to get an apartment so I can have a family and, and take care of what I need to take care of? It wasn't necessary, you know, what's going to look like in the future. Um, and you know, I I love I loved IndyMac Bank. You know, I, um, I, I I started there when I worked there. It was called LoanWorks. Well, it was IndyMac. Was it, it was before the bank, and it was uh, the division I worked with was LoanWorks. LoanWorks was the first consumer direct call center of IndyMac. Hmm. And then they bought San Gabriel bank and then turned into a bank I, I had been there. Um, great company. Um, definitely a great company. You know, I didn't think that I would be doing this. I actually left an EMAC to start my first mortgage company Okay. in 2003. Okay. Um, and we had lots of success, uh, call center, um, tons of direct mail, internet telemarketing, you know, the, the, the typical, typical consumer direct type, uh, marketing plan. And, um, that's actually where we started building technology. I, I, I've been building, I had a point and sell solution in 2004, automate online pricing. Wow. wow. Um, you know, I,
0: what gave you the courage after four years of being in the business to start your own company? That's, that's pretty, I mean, I mean, I thought I was pretty advantageous at six years, you know what I mean? But you got me by a couple of years there.
1: <laughs> I um, just, you know, my father was an entrepreneur. Um, I kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit, but the truth of it was, I did the math. Mm. I was working at Indemac Bank. Um, I was averaging 40 loans. I funded every month. Um, I was bringing in about $500,000 in revenue every single month to the bank. And I said to myself, and I was, you know, I was making good money like that, You know, I was making good money, but I said, you know what, if I could do this on my own, if I only got 10% of these customers, that's 50 grand a month, that makes more sense to me. And I re- you know, and so I just kind of realized, Hey, listen, I, I, I could do this. And then more importantly, um, there's a bunch of guys that I went to high school with and college with and grew up with and a lot of my buddies and they saw all the money I was making and they kept asking, Hey, how do you, how do you do this? How do you do this? And so, I mean, our first employees, we didn't pay them anything. No, there was no salaries. I mean, they were, I mean, they were, you know, they, I think we, I think one of them was like, Hey, if I wash your car this weekend for some extra money, we, they, I mean, but we were just all in the room and we were all young kids, if you will. And, um, most of those people all actually have mortgage companies right now. They're still in the industry. They're doing great in their lives. And, you know, we're so all friends, but, uh, they were friends and we just kind of said, let's, Hey, do exactly what I do. Yeah. This is how I sold. This is how I took the call. This is what I do. You do this and I'm going to train you and you're going to be a killer loan officer. And that's what we did. We just created what? a bunch of monsters.
0: What is it about Orange County, California and this consumer direct model that seems to just hibernate? And, and kind of like, I don't know, there seems to be like some kind of secret lab that you guys are all aware of. Yep. And every couple of years, something new from from the CD department shows up from, and it's from, always originates from Orange County, California. Orange County. What is that?
1: I don't know, I, listen, it's the, Orange County is like the mortgage mecca of the world. I mean, okay. I I'd one time heard a stat that it was like 75% of every loan in America goes through Orange County, whether wow. it's the title company or the tech company or, you know, something around that is coming through Orange County. Like they're all being touched through Orange County. We just have a lot of, it, it's entrepreneurialism. I yeah. think the mortgage industry more so than any other industry I've seen is unbelievably entrepreneurial yeah. because the value of gaining a customer is so great. Right. And the uniqueness and how you gain that customer is what everyone really strives for is that entrepreneurialism of how do you gain that customer um, and it allows, and then allows for, you know, just entrepreneurs. And then people are like minded people. You're right. So when I was in 2004, three, four, whatever, and I'm driving around nice cars and people are like, What do you do on the mortgage industry? Well, what do they go jump and do? So they're <laughs> yeah. thinking the same thing, you know. Right. Now they're all, you know, that, that's the mortgage industry.
0: I was told one time by one guy who was a pretty big entrepreneur out here in the on, in Northern Virginia, DC Metro. Um, and he said, You know, it's a good thing that not everybody has our way of thinking, Fob, because you got to have other people who say, I want security. I want, you know i want to work 40 hours a week i want to be able to have a barbecue on saturday afternoon and not know that the world is going to come to an end if i don't take this phone call um right. and clearly you're not designed that way
1: <laughs> no no yeah i, I yeah. don't mind the, the risk factor
0: yeah but but what, what my friend said really made a lot of sense to me that not everybody can have that entrepreneur mentality and it's okay you know that you, we need everybody to have their own ways of, of thoughts and ways of living and that's the way we all get together, together i guess
1: no that's absolutely right i mean you just, I think entrepreneurs are just using the ones that are a little bit crazy enough to take the risk
0: and not, yeah, we're definitely uh risk takers and we, and we, I don't know about you, but that song from there, there's a musical, uh, the greatest show on the on greatest showman with Barnum Bailey, whatever. And there's that one song, never enough. I was like, Oh, my team song. <laughs> like there's never enough. There's something more coming down the pike that I got to have.
1: That's right. I, 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 uh, I have had a uh, privilege of speaking at uh, UCI a handful of times for uh, one of their graduate program. They have an uh, entrepreneurial program, um, graduate program. And so I had spoken in front of them and I remember one of the things I said is, what you just said is true. If you think it's about the money, you need to really rethink mm-hmm. what you're doing. Yeah. Because I remember when I started first, my first company, I wrote a number down. So If I made this much money, I would just be like the happiest person in the world. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine anything else two years later, I was three, four times that number. I'm like, it's not enough money. I don't have enough money. Yeah. What am I doing? Other okay. people are doing more. This is a game. I got to go work harder. And, and okay. you know, you have to realize why you're, why you're doing it. And I think it's the challenge. Yeah, you know, I, I, like, I like the challenge of it.
0: Yeah. It's the challenge. And then it's also the passion. I think there's a certain amount of passion that entrepreneurs like yourself have to have because you know, you guys are the ones that are coming with the ideas and then giving pretty much working for free <laughs> a lot of the time people don't realize that <laughs>
1: actually paying paying to work I, right. I, I i i i typically pay you know when you start a company i put my money in it i'm actually paying to work
0: right I not even free. Officer, hey. one of my loan officers one time came to me and he was, compl- this was back in early 2000 he's like complaining that oh, i bring the company this much money and you guys get this much and that much and i was like yeah yeah you know what i went through all your numbers i've been listening to your complaint. And I really want to thank you for the dinner at the Palm restaurant for me and my family last, last week, because that's about how much I made off you last month. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: right. We're helping. Yeah, I no, that's it's right. It, it's, it's not always, you know, so, if people see entrepreneurs when they make a lot of money Yeah. and think, oh, well, they're, you know, but they, they don't see the work that goes into actually.
0: The effort is always lost on people. They always want the results. And I saw Josh Pitts post this yesterday, and it was an amazing post that he did yesterday. And he was like, you know, it's, it's. I can't remember the full but it's the efforts and that follow the result, or the results that follow the effort. That's right. Yeah. So your son. Everyone, is a everyone wants now? to win.
1: Everyone wants to win, but no one wants to go to practice. <laughs> That's me.
0: <laughs> your son is a loan officer now. Yes. Well, I don't know where I read that. I saw in my notes. How do you prepare him for a future in this industry? I mean, you, you, you're like, kind of setting. what I've read about you in the last two, three weeks, is like you're kind of setting a different tone. How do you prepare some brand new loan officer for this? customer engagement and all this other stuff that you're i mean it's kind of over overwhelming for an older guy like me so
1: i i well i mean truthfully for it's become easier so like right you know like if you i think what if you look in the industry a lot of people look back over the last 10 20 years technology has been 70 percent solutions piece Mm. part solutions right so you get something and you really still of require a lot of heavy lifting or manual work on your part or the systems don't talk. So it's actually not easier to do. Right. Um, what we provide is actually like turnkey. Since things are integrated and they all are interoperable. Um, it's winds up being, you wouldn't have to do anything. It's going to engage your customer whether or not you do anything. Right. So it's the automation is why that's really the power. Um, hmm. And what you just said is, you know, how I set my son up for to, to, to come into this industry. Um, you know, a the, the couple of things. One, you know, as the digital mortgages came out, people said, oh, there goes a the loan officers. Well, that's not true. Because um, the average American, largest financial transaction they're ever going to make is buying a house. They want to talk to people, right? You still have overwhelming that there needs to be someone in the process, plus license and you need a loan officer in, in the mix. What we'll see though is, hyper-efficient loan officers. Let's say if the, you know, if, if the industry averages seven loans per loan officer, it's going to go to 20, 30, 40 loans per loan officer. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be technology and automation. You know, and, and, and I looked at that and said, you know, is that still a good career to go into? And the answer is yes. And the reason being we have uh, the average age of loan officers are I think it's 57 or so. I think what the 51, number is.
0: 52. I always follow because it's my, my age. I'm 53. So okay. it's always easy to remember. <laughs> And, and and
1: yeah, and I'm, I've seen some as I've seen some as high saying it's fifty-seven, and the, and there's going to be like ten or fifteen percent of all loan officers are going to be retiring in the next two or three years. And so, what's nice is this efficiency capacity that's going to be picked up in the technology won't really displace a whole bunch of jobs for loan officers because loan officers are already going to be retiring and phasing out, and we haven't had this huge onslaught of new people jumping in our industry. I mean. Think about it. After 2008, who's going to graduate from college saying, I'm going to go to the mortgage industry. No one. Right. It's just, you know, it's just not, it's just not something people really thought about. So we, we, it's kind of, it's timely that this Mm -hmm. is going to take place. Right. And it's about time that we do change our industry. I mean, if you really think about it, we're doing loans the same way we did them in 1990. Nothing's Mm -hmm. really changed. I mean, it's, there's no, no, nothing new. You're still using Truthfully, you're still using the same LOS that they, you use in the '90s. Genesis. Um, yeah, <laughs> Gen- I had I used I had Genesis. <laughs> yeah. I did have Genesis.
0: I, I mean, I, I always know that I was like that. This is pretty much the same stuff. So
1: yeah, Genesis. turned it. I think turn, it did encompass. I think my acquired Genesis. Right. And then they acquired right. Datatrack, and I had to used Datatrack. It's the same stuff. It's yeah. it, nothing's changed. Nothing new. Um, but that has to, and that will change. So, right. And that's gonna be. Different. Let me ask
0: you something because. Lately or last, at least for the last 12 to 18 months, you know I mean? The travel industry has been really coming into play with, with, with the parallel to the mortgage loan officer because you brought the mortgage loan officer in, and there was a, a fact or a stat from the 2019 Porter American Travelers that the ASTA sends out, right? And they said that 16% will use travel agents. 16% of out of all, tra- all people going to travel, right? And they were optimistic because I was up from 2% from 2018 And they were really, really thrilled the fact that millennials were saying, not really doing, but that 24% of millennials said that they would use an agent. If I give them the highest number that they threw out in that stat, I'm like, okay, if you guys are thrilled about 24%, that means that the online travel industry took 76% of their volume. That's right. I mean, 76%, right? And the reason I mentioned this is because you got Richard Barton now running Zillow. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Richard Barton was running Expedia. And so to me, I feel like we're in this war now where Richard Barton against the mortgage industry and the loan officers.
1: I, I, I think you're on to something. And I, I don't think lenders may be really uh, 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 up to speed on this. Hmm. Most lenders. You know, we have over hundred different lenders on a platform which also means I've we've spoken to hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of lenders in the across the country thousands of lenders across the country and what I can tell you is I am always shocked by how far behind technologically lenders are they are really really far behind and the truth of it is is because to this point the business has been de- been driven by who can get the customer in the door and that's been the retail loan officer for such a long time mm-hmm. they're the ones who the transaction in the door so that's slipping, right? So if you're a retail loan officer, I can tell you right now, we have lenders every year, the amount of lenders saying, I, I'm getting the consumer direct. Lenders who are now buying leads for the retail loan officers who now need all this type of hybrid stuff because they, they realize is your borrower is out there looking at a house and they pull it up on their phone that you're going to use the Zillow app to see the value of what homes are for sale. What do they see next to that home? Get a mortgage from Zillow. Yeah. Right, So your borrower, whether you think they're your borrower or not, they are being targeted digitally and their people are using great technology. So when you get that, you, you make it so a, a consumer can close a loan in 10 days, right? Literally, I mean, the technology and the reality is it's there where someone could go online and in less than 15 minutes have a complete full approval and have their loan completely done with all the figures done accurately and sign five days later and it funds. So that, 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 that does exist. No one's yeah. really doing that but the technology is out there. So these players are going to come in, they're going to do that. And I think some lenders are going to be really going to wake up in three years from now and wonder what happened to all their business.
0: Yeah. So what really, what I, what what you just said right there just kind of makes me wonder is the technology that we have available in the industry on July 9th, 2020, is it really designed for the retail mortgage loan officer or is it more designed for the consumer direct loan officer? The technology that's available today that you're offering, other people are offering their platforms. Who is it really designed for then
1: loan officer?
0: So It doesn't matter retail or, or consumer direct. Doesn't it? So
1: in, in consumer direct or retail, so retail, you want more, you want functionality around how to deal with real estate agents and referral partners, right? And how do you can engage with them? Mm-hmm. Consumer direct, you need more. How do you manage lead management, lead distribution call activity? Um, but both still use the, but both use the same functionality. We have consumer direct purchase shops. And they're still doing, so they're using the retail functionality. Hmm. They have realtor partners. They, they send business to across the country. They get referrals from those people, but they're also buying leads from Zillow or LendingTree and then co-marketing into them and handing them out to those real estate agents. But they still need the retail functionality. So I, I, it's a technology that's being built um, is, is really, tr- I mean, actually where the money should be spent right now mm-hmm. um there's a lot of money being spent in the front office, right? You have companies like us who've built great platforms. The back of the office has not changed, right? that That's money's not being spent. And how do you make, you know, why does it cost $3,000 a process alone and underwrite alone? Yeah. Right? I mean, I used to spend under $400 to do that in 2004. Why has the cost gone up so greatly? Why do you have six people look at the same piece of paperwork? Loan officer looks at the W-2, then the submission clerk looks at the w2 then the processor junior processor then the underwriter maybe the doc drawer then your loan gets shipped and someone on the other side may look at the the w2 or the qc department and reviews the same thing you have like 6 7 people reviewing the exact same piece of paper
0: yeah of so yeah. yeah so
1: that's where i see um you know the i think the the focus but that's going to I think this, what this does is it helps your retail loan officer or just, let's just call them loan officer. It helps a loan officer, just be a super loan officer. So those, those ones that are, the launches are really good and could give advice. Like, uh, why would someone call a travel agency? Well, I can know lie. I mean, if I was going to go to a new country somewhere, I haven't been before right. I could go online and try to look at pictures and see if I can make the decision myself, but it might be helpful to have someone who has a little bit of advice and says, no, this is when you should go. This is the better time of the year, whatever it may be. Same thing with the mortgage. So those loan officers that are hyper-efficient and that use technology, especially retail, mm-hmm. um, I think that those are the ones that are, gonna, that are really gonna grow their business.
0: But like even in the back, go by the travel thing. So <laughs> I have a younger cousin of mine, I love him to death. He's, a, he's a, actually a, a cybersecurity guru rock star in that cybersecurity world out here in DC with all the defense contractors, right? And we go on vacation every summer together. There's a, like 15 cousins and family, right? And this, this one kid or cousin of mine basically Plans everything out based on Travel Advisor. (laughs) I'm giving TravelAdvisor.com a plug here, right? (laughs) But everything he does, I mean, down to some amazing barbecue place that we found on the Cayman Islands out of nowhere. It was somebody's front yard, all because of Travel Advisor. So no travel agent, right? Yeah. And he was able to do it just because of his own desire to just, you know, being a, 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 I guess, a computer guy, he was able to just know all, I would have never done that. I'd have gone your route with a travel agent but he's totally comfortable doing that. And, and, and I'm just kind of thinking down the road, maybe not next 10, 15 years, but eventually, I don't know. I mean, does homeownership become like that where they just go to, you know, some homeadvisor.com website or whatever and find out, you know, how to get a mortgage. I, I mean,
1: I think Quicken did that with Rocket Mortgage already
0: yeah i mean i think that it's it maybe it's the first generation so i mean i'm going to hold my opinions on what i've heard about that right but it's definitely first generation technology that they're using
1: but I, I think that the um the driver difference is i if i go to the wrong restaurant for lunch i i went to the wrong i had a bad meal
0: mm, good
1: point. if i if i get the wrong mortgage Mm-hmm. I might cost myself a lot of money. So people still want that advice. They still want that expert advice. They still want someone to tell them they're doing the right thing, right? They still need that. They still need some help. That's why the loan officers, when I used to have loan officers, I called them loan consultants. I said, you're, you're not a loan officer. You're not the one deciding whether or not they get the loan. Mm-hmm. You're trying to help them get the best loan they possibly can. You're the consultant, not the loan officer sitting on the other side of the table saying what you can and can't do. You're, you're right. saying, here, let me help you, Mr. Mm-hmm. and Mrs. Borrower, get the best thing I can possibly do for you.
0: Interesting. All right, man. Stupid question time, Josh. Yeah. I love my stupid question time in this show. Okay. (laughs) So communication and trust. I've heard you talk about those two words specifically, communication, trust, communication, trust, right? Why are they so important for a loan officer?
1: Communication and trust. Yeah. That's the only thing you have with your consumer. You're (laughs) selling a commodity. Let's just be honest with ourselves. I can get a 3% or 2.5% rate from you and 16,000 other lenders in, in the country. So if, if you're not communicating and talking to your consumers and letting them know you're there, you're not building trust with them, then what do you have to offer? That's really all you
0: have to why offer. Why communication? I get the trust part, oh. right? but why is it, I mean, like if the loan, if the loan officer takes a cl- application, I haven't taken an application in five years, right? So okay. count me out of this picture, right? If they take a loan application, do they need to communicate with the borrower? I mean, isn't just an email yes. coming good enough or? Letting no. them know, hey, your email, your loan's been submitted or no?
1: Well, it, it depends how the borrower wants to be communicated too. The point is to have some kind of communication, right? So, whether it's email, text, phone calls, mm-hmm. um, tell them what's going on. You have to have some type of communication. And we always kind of say this in the in the mortgage business, we're teaching loan officers: if you're not talking to your borrower, somebody else is. Right, Right. kind of, you know, it's it's the, someone gave the analogy of, you know, going to the bar with your girlfriend and you leave her alone at the bar the whole night and you're sitting over there playing, you know, pool with your buddies. Yeah. You might, you know, someone else might hit on her and walk out, you know, you may not be going home that night. There's a
0: song about that, right? Who's loving your old lady while you're out loving someone else? (laughs)
1: Something like, yeah. But I mean, (laughs) that's right. If you're not giving the borrower's attention, so it's, and it's not just during the transaction. I think that's part of, I think that's part of the, the, the differentiator. I think one of the things that we've really been stressed with lenders is, how do you get repeat business because mm-hmm. it's so valuable and it's so overlooked. Black Knight's stat said selling 17% of borrowers go back to the same lender.
0: 17%. 17%. Is
1: oh that was Black Knight's stat. Wow. So I just got, I did a webinar with Grant Moon from Home Captain and he had that stat. And I was like, that's, you know, I had seen before it was 25% MBA had a study, but this is, I think, a more recent study. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah. And, and, and the, here's why. What you sell is a commodity. So if I'm out there right now and I'm and it's Saturday and it's in the afternoon, I hear rates are low and I have time to go out and look for a mortgage. And if I forget your name and I can't send something right to you and say, Oh, Hey, Bobby, let me get another loan from you right away. Guess what? There's 15 other people that just say, hit this button and you can get a mortgage. Mm -hmm. And I hit that button, I get the mortgage. You know, there's no, so if you're, if you haven't built trust, right? So what you would want is during the transaction, they'd go, Oh, the best advice I've ever was given always on time, told me exactly what was going to take place. I could put my head down, my bed uh, on the pillow at night, knew what was going to take place. I'm going to go back to, to Josh and get alone with them again. Their father, Because they were great. So, and then they built that trust. And then if you've been communicating to them. So every two, three months, they see an email, a Facebook post. They get a piece of mail from you saying, hey, happy spring. Here's some mm-hmm. spring cleaning tips, that type of stuff. You're in front of them and you're relevant. So then when they look and they go out to reach out and to buy again, you're there.
0: So let, let's flip that question. What would a lack of communication, what is a lack of communication? Let's just stick to the process of the loan, right? Okay. What does a lack of communication do to the borrower?
1: Well, frustration. Mm. You're going, you're going to, you're, it's going to frustrate a borrower. You're going to, the borrower's going to go shop and you're going to lower your pull-through, right? Just plain and simple. Like every day you have a loan that hasn't been funded, your pull-through goes down on that loan. Mm. Because, you know, loans are like milk. There's an expiration date on those things. It, you, you can't just keep loans in the pipelines forever. People, your pull through goes down statistically pretty accurately with how long they're inside the pipeline. So it's bad communication. You lower your pull through you're gonna, yeah. you're, you're, and you're not going to get, you know, um, repeat business.
0: I, I heard you talking about Amazon. I know during this pandemic, I mean, we've all really kind of relied on Amazon and a bunch of different things that you know, I mean, just happened to be there conveniently when we needed them, right? Kind of makes me wonder, but that's another theory that I'm working on. (laughs) (laughs) Do you see Amazon, Instacart, Uber Eats or whatever it is now that my son keeps ordering those Five Guy Burgers from, uh, (laughs) like a platform or something a mortgage lender could copy? Is there anything that that we could take from them?
1: Well, yes, absolutely. Which is... (laughs) So let's just think. Let's just talk about Amazon for a second. Okay. What's Amazon's business?
0: Delivery is what I guess. You know what well, then they, they sell things.
1: They 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 sell retail consumer goods. Now they make it more convenient, and they deliver it to you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Right. They let you return. What did Sears sell?
0: Yes, m- merchandise. <laughs>
1: merchandise. And what? And how did they sell that? Hey, removed you know,
0: the store, yeah.
1: No, no, no. Actually, they start off the Sears oh, the catalog,
0: catalog. The catalog, that's right. Oh yeah, oh yeah. This thing that had pictures and yeah.
1: product descriptions, and told you exactly what the product was look like. They sent it to your house. You flip oh, through. God. Yeah,
0: you're right. Very
1: similar to a computer screen, if you think about it. I'm looking at pictures, product descriptions, and then I could call or write in and buy that product from
0: them. Wow. Yeah. Damn.
1: Amazon didn't do anything different than Sears was already doing. They just decided to use technology to make it easier right because consumers are always going to go to the least path of resistance,
0: Wow, okay, and yeah. consumers
1: buy convenience over anything else, convenience seems to be the biggest driver in things, so they made the transaction super convenient to do, and they just did exactly what Sears did, and wow. obviously kicked their butt
0: so as as mortgage companies the, 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 what i 'm hearing is saying is figure out how to make it more convenient that's right right
1: that's right focus on focus on that experience like. You know, if you're a lender, actually put yourself in the shoes of your borrower. Mm-hmm. How many times do you send them disclosures? How often are they inaccurate? How many different CDs do you have to fix? Whoops, send this, sign this one now because I forgot this or that date change or, gee, I, you know, ah, we're five days past the rate lock. Now we're going to have go through that process. Understand how many places that there's pain mm-hmm. and there's renegotiation or miscommunication and then start identifying those. Get rid of those. How do you, you, know, focus on those things? And then you, you'll speed up the process, you will know, speed up the bar, uh, the bar experience. So I think that's one of the big ways to really, you know, copy the Amazon is just make it convenient, make it easy.
0: I like that. For the convenience factor though, and I do know this as a consumer myself, and I'm almost like, you know, having that cousin who's a cybersecurity expert, he, he freaked me out a couple of years ago. And I just, I, I waved the white flag, right? I gave up. <laughs> How much do we sacrifice of our privacy for that convenience? Um.
1: I guess it really depends on uh, how you look at that. I know the truth of it is none, hmm. because whether or not you buy online or go to the store, if someone wants to find out what you're buying, that, that's all there. Hmm. Right? So I don't know if you know this or not, but your credit card companies sell the data, the stuff that you buy as well to marketers. Sure. So they can so they they can still find out who's buying what with the credit cards in store versus online. So I don't think you' really we're not really losing any of that. Your information, whether or not you think it's on the cloud, it's all in the cloud. Mm-hmm. all your personal information' is somewhere in the cloud. So really we just have to open our eyes and say, okay, all of our stuff's out there. How's it being protected? So I don't think we know we, we lose that much there, but I, what we can what I can tell you is, and this is just look at the history and, and um, of I'll, cell phones as your example. So I had uh, early during um, in my career, I uh, during the mortgage part, I had actually gotten involved in um some technology for about a year, some wireless access, voice recognition, to a whole bunch of stuff on uh, uh cell phones. And this is before um the internet came on the phones, right when WAP, wireless access protocol came out on the phone. I don't know if you guys remember that was in 2000 Phones looked really janky.
0: Different, yeah.
1: Big yeah. difference. And it was, you know, very different. And um we were working with a company who had a GPS. That they could put on, they can install on cell phones. They were trying to get the cell phone manufacturers to s- install them, but cell phone manufacturers said, no, 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 no. Consumers don't want to have a GPS in their phone because they don't want to be tracked everywhere they go. <laughs> so then the company called Airbiquity, I remember the name, they had a battery pack. So they sold aftermarket battery packs, had the GPS inside the battery pack. Oh. So you connected to your phone. And if you wanted to, you hit the button and then it sent your signal to the internet. Then we could tell you where you're at. Well, that was in response to people not wanting to have people track them around. Let me ask you a question. Is that even a thought anymore?
0: No, not at all. No.
1: Because no. why? Because it became convenient. Yeah. Because also now there's a reason why I want my phone to know where I'm at because going can tell me how long it takes me to get home. Right. It can remind me of things. So there's a convenience that is really above my, and what am I doing? It's like, I'm going places. I don't want people to know. I, you yeah. know, so it's not like I'm hiding some type of activity, and so I'm not really losing anything. I'm only gaining. So we we give up that we give up privacy and personal freedoms for security and convenience all the time.
0: Yeah, yeah. It was just a thought that I had. It was just like I, I keep thinking about all the things that we, you know, like I said, my my little cousin really freaked me out a few years ago, and I actually got I think life lock and all that stuff. Just, <laughs> you know what I mean? And I have no idea what it's like ever going to do for me. But it's like insurance policy. You hope you never need it, right? And just keep right. it around. Um, you, know, you mentioned something about the, the phone telling us how long it'll take to get me to 7-Eleven or wherever, right? I love those little things that says you're seven minutes away, right? I got into that geofencing a while ago, right? For advertising and, and, and all this other stuff that's been going around the last few years, I was really diving head deep into it. I felt like we were on an ethical boundary. Like there was some, for me at least, right? Just, it felt like, you know, like if someone walked into this guy's open house and this ad pops up saying, hey, call Fabi for your mortgage financing needs because I had geofenced that open house for that real estate agent that particular day with permission, right? But now I'm inside that consumer's cell phone with or without their permission. Or even like when they redirect you, like you know, recently I was out there, we're having a, our deck redone. And so now Facebook is popping up all these people who will redo my deck, right? Okay. Because they, they picked up on those whatever cookies or whatever they're called. Like at what? it just seems like there's like ethical lines being crossed in mortgage industry. We're, we're doing it all the time. Also for me, at least. And I'm not sure if everyone else agrees with that.
1: I, um, first I think from a consumer standpoint, most consumers actually find it more convenient.
0: Hmm.
1: So think about it. What, what, yeah, it feels intrusive. Cause it's like, Oh, they know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I get that feeling. Right. Um, you know, you go to incelerate, we're going to show up everywhere. We we are we're very much into. the, the I found that out too. Yeah, we're, we <laughs> <laughs> listen. We're a very advanced technology company, and we we understand uh, the, the internet marketing and technology very well. So we do all kinds of uh, targeting, geofencing. We we've, we've done it all. I, I think for the consumer, it can be convenient because now there's you're showing them ads and stuff that's more relevant to them. Mm. So maybe it's it can be more relevant. Is it intrusive? Is it? I don't know. I mean. I guess if you use Facebook, you have to understand you're signing up for that. Yeah. If you're using Instagram, you're signing up for the ability for them to market. If you're going on Google, you have to understand the reason why people can have websites and give this content. The reason why you and I can sit here for an hour and record content is because we know that digitally, there's some way that it it can help us or impact our companies. Hmm. There's something, there's some value there. So I think everyone kind of has to understand that that's the game that they're playing. And if they don't want to play that game, then you can turn your your stuff off on your phone and it can dislo- it, you can disenable your location. So it doesn't know where you're at. And, mm. you know, but it, I think that in order to pay for that technology, in order for, for us to build technology, we, it ultimately, you know, it's a capitalist society. We have to figure out a way to make money doing it. And that's going to be selling a consumer some type of good. And so that's where, you know, that's where the technology is driving us.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you mentioned Incelerate, which is obviously the company you founded uh, I think 7 years ago, 2013, right? Correct. So kind of a uh in my mind, right, when I first, you know, started diving into you and, and finding out more about Incelerate, I think to myself, with all the CRMs that are already in the mortgage universe, I mean, you know, why add why? another one, right? <laughs> why? Right? I mean, so that's the magic question. It's like I mean what is Incelerate going to do for me that X, Y, and Zs are not already doing?
1: Right, so to give you like an idea of why we started Incelerate, um, it was for myself. So I had uh, partnered with People's Bank in 2011, 12. I think it was end of 11, beginning of 12. Brought my mortgage group underneath People's Bank um, and became a shareholder in the bank. Uh, a couple other people that had large off- offices of the same thing. We helped that bank really grow from, you know, a small $180 million year business and mortgage to two and a half billion a year in business within like two years. Mm. And I built that system because when I was there, I tried to, I had been using software on my own for years. Then I went out to the market and said, let me buy software, software off the shelf. But then when I, as I found, I needed to, to as the market change, I need to integrate it more. and I need to change it more. What was really out there didn't fit the need. There wasn't a solution. So I've actually been a client of a lot of my competitors that were around back then. And I used their systems and said, I can't use this. I need something very different for my business and never with the thought of selling to anybody else. It was only for me to run my business. Okay. And as we did that and our platform became super efficient and our loan officers became hyper-efficient and our profitability was way above, you know, industry average. We realized that this was something we were doing was working really well. Other people in the industry, again, Orange County, right? <laughs> mortgage mecca. I have friends. A lot of the CEOs of other mortgage companies I'm friends with. I've known them through the years. Would come by and say, "Josh, how do you do what you do?" And they would see these my sales managers with these screens with sales manager reports, telling them what's going on in real time. Reader boards, loan officers in front of these screens, giving them alerts that go through the work. And they said, "Can can I use that?" And they'd start asking me, "Can I buy that from you?" Huh. And I said, "Yeah." let me see if it's okay. Maybe I'll, I'll sell it to a few of my friends that, you know, and, and they loved it and said, this is great. And then we did that for a little while. Then we just, as a, a genesis, we then took on private equity money, brought in a whole new development team. And we built the system 100% scratch from the ground up again, because we, you know, then built a multi-tenant version that's, you know, to be sold to the masses versus the system I had. But the system we built, the use case, the screens, everything was all done. We knew exactly what we needed to build. We knew exactly what it looked like. The functionality was already all laid out.
0: Since you were involved so intimately in this from the, actually before inception, quite honestly, right? So, yep. right. I mean, even below ground zero, is there a personality that this CRM has that actually belongs to you, Josh?
1: Huh. That's a very good, uh, that's a very good question. I think um, simplicity. So uh, one of the things that I always do for loan officers is one of the big things loan officers struggle with is understanding pro- price and product and eligibility. The amount of loan officers that miss business because they don't understand, hey, I should sell them this product versus that product. Or I should do this versus that. The simplicity in the process um, is what we, I think is what I really focus on. So if you look at the system, one of the things you'll see on the desktop version versus the mobile version the desktop version, we have like a single page application. Okay meaning, um, the system is going to your loan officers work on one page. That was something I was really, really passionate about is listening. I don't want loan officers having to go to multiple screens, multiple tabs because we know it's not easy to do right. that. Like, how do you train best practices? If you have five ways to do a thing, right? So we looked at the, you know, the, I, um, I call it the Apple versus the Android. Mm. Right? So Androids technically are always more advanced than Apple phones are. They are, but Apple has much better, um, U uh, i yeah. yeah they,
0: they I call it functionality
1: oh, yeah, yeah, they have one way to send a text message, yeah. so you 're become a master at that it 's always the same thing, but in android there's like ten different ways to do it, so it 's never the same way, and then, and they don't all work the same, so there's so we really took the approach of how do we make it as simple and do one way single page application so that people could just be on the screen and not have to you know be tech
0: experts wow so when someone takes on Incelerate in their company i mean i'm, I'm and i don't know i mean if you're small mid-size or, or or large size lenders i don't know what where your your client base was i i mean sorry i didn't do that but if i'm a small to mid-sized lender right because i think that's the majority of lenders how long does it take them to actually like integrate Incelerate into their lifestyle i mean everything takes about six months right i mean can't be any shorter than six months, I think. Um,
1: I mean, I can tell you uh, our rollout time had been 34 days on average. Okay. Pick off call to complete train using the platform. So people got up pretty quickly. It's, it's going closer to 60 because we've added over 40 lenders this year. Wow. Um, I think 25 or 30 in the last, you know, 60, 90 days. So we have a, you know, we're, we're gaining a ton of market share now, just because we've made a lot of lenders really successful. And those lenders that are out there that have become super successful using our technology are now telling other lenders and they're finding out again how you do what you do. And they find out, oh, they all tip, they all are using accelerate and accelerate. Let me go use that platform as well. So it's taking a little longer, but I think from a I I think once you're in the platform, I think 90 days and you've made it your own.
0: Okay. So whereas some other CRMs, I mean, that I've seen, right? And, and once again, I mean, I'm gonna I wanna make sure you understand this. I started the business in 94. So my CRM was my Rolodex. That's right. (laughs) All right. Just let's be honest. Okay. Cause I was like, I'm, I'm a really good salesperson, but I wasn't really good at staying in connection with the borrowers. Like you closed out, boom. You know what I mean? You'll get a calendar around the end of the year is the way I always work my CRM. Yeah. And so when CRMs really started coming into life, I, I obviously I wanted to adapt them. I've been through a bunch of them. Right. I have my favorites and I think there are some really popular ones that are very cumbersome that are very like, are you kidding me? I just want to get this email drip campaign started. Where's the button that says boom. <laughs> <I> mean, so, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so when you talk simplicity, I mean, is that what we're talking about it with with accelerate yeah. that I'm not lost in the maze. I, I just want to boom, 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 boom. And I want to get back to what I do best, which is sell.
1: That's right. We it's, it's simplicity of the design of the system, but plus, plus the best practices put on top of it. So, and, and, and the integration automation the platform has. So we can integrate, and depending on what size lender um, you are, but we have lenders who we're integrated to the service and platform, their phone system, their data warehouse, their LOS, the point and sell solution. And we sit in the middle, and, we, and we're the ones interacting with all the data. So what that means is from that level to even to just a lender who has just an LOS, we are building all this bi directional integration. So you don't even have to push the button to go boom for the most part, it's already done, right? That's, you know, what we, we do is we'll actually turn over a completed platform with all the content strategies, all built. Wow. Day one, and you just say, you run it, and then you can change it, do whatever you want. But we've done that because, I mean, my, our tagline is, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen it, is what business we're in. We're, we're in the business of helping lenders close more loans. So, you know, we happen to have a technology platform, but our, our driving point is to help lenders close more loans. I've been a lender. I understand what it takes to roll something out. I understand that you don't have a huge staff on board that can write content and right. roll things out and system admins. You're, you everyone's busy. So we took that approach and said, all right, well, what you really need is like a turnkey concierge, you know, uh, professional services package that when you turn the system on, it's ready to run.
0: Yeah. You don't
1: have to do all the work.
0: So, if, if, well, once again, so if, if I'm a small to mid-sized lender, you know what I mean? And I'm looking at and to, to kind of move over from XYZ to accelerate, I know in my head from the time that I sign the contract, I'm about 90 days from when my loan officers can really start benefiting from it. Yeah. Right?
1: Yeah, sounds about right.
0: And then that's, from there on in, I mean, with the CRM platform, I'm assuming that it's really more just keeping in touch with borrowers. It's really not an LOS POS type of interface.
1: Correct. So there's, there's two parts. There's CRM lead management and then there's engagement. Okay. CRM lead management is that it's managing leads, workflows, call activities, your real estate referral partners. It's giving you all the reporting on what's going on. Then there's the engagement, which is email, text message, Facebook posts, Instagram posts, direct mail, phone calls, ringless voicemail, Google AdWords. That's the engagement piece. And that, and that runs as well.
0: So you guys are actually posting on behalf of me.
1: No, I'm actually posting to a custom audience. Okay. So it's very different. So yeah, let's say,
0: do that. yeah,
1: so, <laughs> yeah. So if, if I post on behalf of you, you're only, your ads only going to reach the people that are in your friends, right? Mm-hmm. So it's limited. What we do is we're going to take your, you're going to, your records name, uh, email address, and we're going to run them against Facebook and we're going to put them in a custom audience. They're going to automate it. So, you know, what we've been hearing is about 50% match rate, which means that we're going to automatically and anywhere in the process. So if it's at six months, since a funded loan and you want to give them a, a reminder, we actually have content for this as well. We build it, but they'll have an ad in their Facebook feed. Or if it's a new referral, think about this, a new referral you're just talking to. How impactful would that be if the next day or that day they saw an ad from you? You're going to build brand. So what our system does is it finds that person, puts them in a custom audience and now you're marketing to them and you don't actually have to have spoken to them.
0: Wow. Right. Wow.
1: So you, they're not, they're not your friend. So you can go reach a million people that are not your friends. So now your database is anyone versus just your own database.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hope people who are here in this podcast really, that, that part just right there is huge for me because I get what you're saying. Yep. I really, I hope that people understand what you, what you just said there because that's a lot of that's a lot of hours of drilling to create a, a kind of a, a base of, of friends and connections on you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, whatever it is. Right. Yep. I mean, Jesus, that's huge. So speaking of that, what is your favorite social media platform? I mean, we all have one like, um,
1: I mean, favorite, the one I use, I'm on the most is probably LinkedIn. Cause I just be honest. I'm, I'm, I I'm, I'm more driven to, for business success than personal uh, entertainment right now, but <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> I'll, I'll probably, I'm probably on LinkedIn more than I'm on most. Um, but, you know, I, I think LinkedIn is, is probably still my, it would be my favorite one.
0: It seems point. like LinkedIn has made some kind of rebound comeback in the last 12 to six months or something's happened. Big time. Right? Yeah. And, and Facebook is, is obviously they got a lot of negative publicity, but by the way, I saw a picture of you on, at uh, Mount Kilimanjaro yep. on Facebook. Yeah, you did that, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, two, two and a half years ago, wow. I, I did. I took my son, my son, my brother, and one of my best friends from childhood. We, uh, we went and climbed Mount Kilimanjaro.
0: How high is that?
1: Uh, is about twenty thousand feet. Jeez, jeez. Yeah, yeah. My next mountain, mountain is uh. So actually, our current software program is named Mount Kilimanjaro. We're releasing a new platform in August, and we're calling it Mount Aconcagua. Mount Aconcagua is the uh, Mount Kilimanjaro is the third peak of the uh, the, the seven peaks: Everest, Mount Aconcagua, Mount Kilimanjaro. So Aconcagua is twenty three thousand and change feet in South America. So that's the goal for the next mountain that I want to climb.
0: So it's so interesting. We're, we're ending here where we started from. Where the entrepreneur always looking for the next mountain to climb. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's right. So that's so that's the next one. So Mount Aconcagua. Hopefully, the next five years. It's that takes twenty-eight days to climb. So I, I'm going to have to take some time off for that one. Yeah. Kilimanjaro was eight days, so you know, a little bit less.
0: With this pandemic that's been going on, obviously, I mean, I know California, you guys are getting hit pretty heavy right now, and all these conventions and summits, like saying, "Hey, sorry, we're not going to be able." Is that affecting you guys at all? I mean, or are you guys vamping real quick to something different?
1: Yeah, I mean. Um, It's affecting us. Yes, because we're not traveling. Um, but something that I've noticed about this, and I think, uh, a lot of the executives talk to is, um, it has not hurt our business one bit. The truth of it is, uh, our content, our case studies, our webinars, um, have gotten far more reach than when I go speak at a conference. Okay. Right. So if I go speak at a conference and there's whatever hundred people in the room, right. Uh Um, That's as far as that reach goes, it ends there, it dies there. But when we do these webinars, we go online, that stuff, you know, lives forever. So we're getting our, our reach has really grown. But the other thing is what I've noticed is I have more time than I've had in years because I'm not in the back of an Uber. I'm not on an airplane. I'm not checking into a hotel, but I was traveling, you know, two, three weeks of every month and, you know, traveling a bunch. So I now have, you know, twice as much time as I once did. So I can do things like sit down and have this conversation with you and, and write articles and help our team with other things than me sitting in the, an Uber or, you know, or, or an airport waiting for a flight.
0: Yeah. Being told the flight's delayed.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And I can't work on a plane. I get, I, I get sick if I try to work on a plane. So I, you know, I get all that time's back. So I think there's been a shift that a lot of executives are much easier to get hold of now. Yeah. People have, seem to have more time.
0: It was weird, you know, that we started this podcast about a year ago, And um, it kind of limped along, limped along based on my schedule, right? And then also when this pandemic hit, also I had more time to do these interviews. That's right. Right. And the busier I'm getting now with the new branches, the new company, it's kind of like, hold on, do I still want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, now I enjoy this podcast because I love talking to people and I love finding out about them. You know what I mean? And there's like this interest that I have in in just discovering new people and having this one-on-one conversation. And the fact that we get to post it and, and get comments out of it, that's great. But honestly, I just enjoyed talking to people. And I, didn't, I, I don't think if the pandemic hadn't happened, I don't think I would have been this deep into it.
1: No, I, I actually, of I, I, this pandemic, I said, I think if I change careers, I'm gonna be a radio uh, DJ.
0: I think there's going to be a lot of radio DJs going for that spot.
1: <laughs> I don't think that that's the career to go into anymore. But <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're going to wrap this up, Josh. But what's the best way if somebody does want to contact you or one of your salespeople or how how do they get a hold of you guys?
1: Just go to incellerate.com. Okay. Um, you know, incelerate.com. If you need to, you can email me, Josh at encelerate.com. Uh, but go to incellerate.com. If you uh, ask for information, ask for a demo. One of the sales team will get will get a hold of you quickly. We're, we're very, we'll engage with you quickly. Yeah. uh, You know, we can answer any questions that you guys have.
0: You guys have that pretty cool. I see that in the back of your, uh, uh, whatever that is, poster back there where you guys have a number counter on your website. Yes. What is that?
1: How many loans have been funded through the platform? Wow. It's over a hundred thousand now.
0: Yeah. That's huge.
1: Yeah. It's just, we're, we're counting loans funded and, uh, it's close to think a hundred thousand, uh, borrower applications every month that come through the platform as well. So it's just, and the reason we did that is, you know, we launched the company, really launched the company about four years ago. It's when we really decided to go to the market. Um, and we were a smaller company back then. You know, four years ago we had you know ten lenders, and you know we've grown a lot in the last four years. Um, and now we are handling huge volume, and we have lenders, you know, uh, that are single lenders that are funding four or five hundred million a month on the platform. So we, you know, we have large volume. Uh, the system has reached huge scale. So it just kind of let people know, hey this platform is handling a lot of a lot of transactions
0: yeah well you're gonna need more digits on that little counter there momentarily
1: yes <laughs> Oh so the one behind me is outdated by a lot
0: <laughs> yeah anyway josh thank you so much for your time today i wish you guys the best of luck with everything you're doing i'm sure you're gonna do awesome out there and this what i heard i think just amazing amazing stuff that you guys are doing so good for you guys and thank you so much for coming on okay
1: bobby appreciate it thanks for thanks for the time all right brother
0: take care man. Bye. Well, that was a great episode from Josh Friend, CEO of Incelerate. I hope you guys learned as much as I did. I know that uh, there's some amazing technology coming down the pike and there's some amazing technology already available for a lot of us in the moving industry. Thank you for listening today. Thank you to One Goodwin for their support and thank you to Atlanta's Best of the Best First Option Mortgage. Make sure to check out Laugh, Len, and Eat the podcast on Spotify Music, Apple Podcast Music, and also YouTube. Thank you all for listening and watching our show.